Good morning, listeners, and you're welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. Now, this being the week of the National Ploughing Championships, needless to mention, we will be covering some of that in the programme this week. My guests anyway this week are the former president of the IFA, Joe Healy, also the current president of the IFA, Tim Colnan, and my other guest will be Padraig Costigan, who wants to talk about Farm Walk that's coming up shortly, and Pat O'Toole from the Farmer's Journal joins us to tell us about the journal's report on agriculture in 2022. My first guest this morning is Joe Kelleher from Chagas. And Joe is with me to talk about organics and organic farming. And as well as that, very importantly, there is a walk on an organic farm taking place outside Care, I think, or Cashel in that particular part of Tipperary anyway. I'm sure Joe will fill me in on where on the 28th. Good morning, Joe, and thanks for joining us. Good morning, Jim. OK, Joe, we'll leave the walk to last how are things uh, with regard to uh, this, the scheme? It has opened, has it? Uh, it hasn't opened officially yet. Uh, yeah. It'll open, we've been told by the department, the first week of October, and it'll open for two months, is what we've been told, so it should close in early December. So there'll be a two-month opening window. The last opening, was it fully subscribed? Uh, there was 380 farmers went into it, which was probably a long expectations. Um, yeah. Whereas we're, we're anticipating a, a significant increase this time around as a result of the rate increases that were announced. OK, and uh, are, they, are the increases significant really to, uh, I suppose, entice people in? Uh, in a short answer, yes, they are. I suppose mm-hmm. the, the main changes are that the, one of the new elements is that there's an upfront payment now. It's called a participation payment. So everyone that joins the scheme will get €2,000 of an upfront payment in year one, and they'll get €1,400 of an upfront payment in years two to five. That's to cover the likes of licensing fees, uh, course costs, and any paperwork uh, costs like that that the participants would incur. That's before your per hectare rate kicks in. So then the per hectare rate, and if we just even just take the example of dry stock farmers, uh, yeah. the per hectare rate will be 300 euros per hectare um, up to 70 hectares in years one and two, and that will go to 250 per hectare then for years three, four, and five. So that's a huge um, jump. So like if, if you happen to have a farmer in the larger scale of things that has the 70 hectares of dry stock farmer, it's worth over 100,000 to them over the five years. So it's 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 a, a huge increase in, in the payments, and I think all dry stock farmers in particular would have to seriously stand back and look at it uh, and question why aren't they going for it, is what I would say. Right, and the last time we spoke, Joe, you were saying that it would be economical now for a dairy farmer to consider joining the organic scheme. Yeah, the the dairy is probably a slightly different story in that conventional milk price is so strong at the moment that organic milk price is just slightly ahead of it. Uh, whereas we would typically have had a, a significant premium between organic milk price 
and conventional. And it's the same across Europe, actually, that the Germans and the Italians is the same, that, that there is, the difference has uh, reduced significantly between the two mid prices. So because of that, a lot of the dairy farmers are, are probably sitting on the fence a bit when it comes to converting to organics. And I think a lot of them are maybe adopting the approach of a, a wait and see uh, with milk price. Coincidentally, the best time to convert if you're a dairy farmer is when the price of conventional milk is high, because if you convert to organic dairy, you won't be selling your milk as organic until your two-year conversion period has elapsed. So you will still be getting the high conventional milk price for the first two years. It's then you will be jumping onto the, the organic milk price and it's kind of a crystal ball really as to guess what's this going to be conventional milk price in two years time definitely a crystal ball you know considering that we're lucky if we can forecast uh, six months uh, in advance as to what the milk price was go- is going to be. Now, with regard then to, we'd say, the arable farmer going into organics, how attractive is that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a consideration for organic farmers. Obviously, their, their two main costs are the fertilizer and the herbicides, and they've both seen significant increases in the past 12 to to 24 months so what we're seeing now is that uh, yes your yields will be back they could be back by we'd say if you're typically getting four ton uh, per acre of a grain crop you could be back to two ton and four ton would be exceptional performance mm-hmm. you could be back to two ton but your costs have dramatically reduced and your premium for the price your the product you're selling is going up so the margin often can be strong in favor of the organic system and that's before you add in the check in the post which is uh, even higher rates again than what i outlined for the dry stock farmers uh for the organic for the tillage it's, it's a higher rate again and the dairy is even higher again so it is attractive for somebody that really should contact their local chagas advisor or indeed their private uh, consultant and look at the possibility for them to turn their farm into organic. Absolutely. Everyone everyone should do the sums to see what it's worth to them and everyone should consider it. It's not going to be suitable for all farmers, but everyone should give a look at it and make up their mind then and say, is it suitable for me or is it not? Right. And before I leave it this subject completely and we go on to the walk, I need, you know, the management of an organic farm, whether irrespective of what uh, enterprise, farm enterprise that you're going to be uh, promoting on your farm, you know, is there more work involved? Uh, if anything, there's probably less work involved. Because mm-hmm. if you take your typical livestock farmer, uh, like you've the likes of spreading fertilizer and things like that, you've mm-hmm. obviously a lot less, you do, you've none of that uh, job. Yes, you might have an extra round of topping. Um, but typically you've less stock numbers, we've lower stocking rates, so if you've less stock numbers, you've lower labour input. So if anything, it's it's an easier pace of life. It's everything is under less pressure. You've less stock numbers, so you've less pressure on housing, you've less pressure on milk and parlors if you're a dairy farmer. So it all ends up being a, a less stressful system on both the, the land, the houses, the animals, the farmer. So if anything, it should be an easier uh, way of life. Okay, well, let's hope we entice some of the farmers in Tipperary to consider going organic when the next round opens around the 1st of October. Now, coming to your walk. Yes, so we've we've a national organic beef open day planned for Wednesday the 28th of September. It's on the farm of John Purcell 
in gold and outside Cashel in Tipperary. Um, we have a, a large number of stops on the day. There'll be about 30 technical boards and stops um, throughout the day. So it, it's really set up as a one-stop uh, shop for anyone considering organics, and it's jointly organised by Chagos, the Department of Agriculture, and Board Bia. So the three, those three bodies have come together to organise it. So with the likes of Board Bia in there for the first time, we're really taking a strong look at the markets and where the markets are going to be for all this organic produce that looks like it's going to come on stream as well. The department will be outlining uh, the details of the new schemes and the various grant schemes that are there available as well. The Chagas point of view, then, we're looking at the technical side of things. So there'll be a soil health village where we will be looking at underneath the ground what we need to be looking at in terms of soil health and soil biology. We have a clover village where we'll be looking at the importance of red clover and white clover in organic systems. There'll be a, a, a farmyard demonstration where we'll be looking at what's needed to convert your farm sheds, what's needed in terms of space requirements, what's going to be the cost of that, what are the grants available. Uh, we also then will be looking at items like combi crops, growing combi crops for finishing cattle. We'll be looking at multi-species swords. We'll have a veterinary specialist there that will look at it from an organic point of view. And one of the kind of more unique things, I suppose, is we have a composting display where we have a contractor coming that's going to do a live compost turning display. We have a, what's called a windrow, mm-hmm. long line of farmyard manure out in the field, and we're going to be turning it. And we have an expert on composting of farmyard manure talking on the day. That's all happening outside in the field. Then in the farmyard, in the indoor village, we have 24 stalls where there'll be all service providers and input suppliers inside in the, the shed in these 24 stalls. So there'll be huge amounts of information there. And then finally, in the other half of the yard, we'll be doing winter finishing diets. We'll be looking at trying to select cattle that are fit for slaughter. And we'll be looking at the whole financials of uh, finishing. Uh, it, it's really aimed at a beef finishing system, this event, but it will have something for all people that are considered organic uh, farming. The okay. final thing that's going to be there is a forum at the end of the day. It'll be chaired by Damien O'Reilly. And there'll be five panellists looking at the impacts of us hitting our organic targets and what the impacts across the various parts of the supply chain are going to be. Okay, it sounds a very exciting event. Now, what time of the day does it uh, start off? Starts at 10 o'clock, Jim, Mm. and we'll be kind of accepting crowds from 10 o'clock until 12 o'clock. Really, you would need to try hitting that window if you want to get to see it Mm all. Uh, I would advise people to come nearer to 10 than 12 if they want to get around the circuit. It's a long circuit and a lot to see. Forum starts at two, so if people want to have gone through the route um, and there'll be tea, coffee stops and food as well there on the day. But ideally come sometime between 10 and 11, I would advise um, uh, if you want to see it all. The other point I would make is that we do have a booking system. uh, So I would advise people if they just Google uh, Chagosk Organic Open Day, it'll take them to the booking uh, page and that'll, that'll guide them where to book their ticket. It's free of charge. Okay. Well, look at Joe. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. Now, listeners, if you are thinking of going organic, why not turn up in Golden on the 28th of the month? And you will find out an awful lot more of what's involved in turning your farm into an organic farm. And you'll also find out, which is the most important part of it, uh, whether you will be able to make money and live. Listeners, it's Tuesday morning of the ploughing, the first morning, and here at just coming up to half past eight, who have I but Joe Healy, former president of the IFA. 
Joe, good to see you. We haven't met for a while. Uh, it's great to be back, uh, isn't Jim, isn't it? You know, yeah. I was just saying that when I came in the gate there earlier on and there was a, a buzz around the place and that was only about six o'clock, I'd say. <laughs> uh, and yeah. everyone just delighted that the plough is back and the opportunity it is to celebrate Irish agriculture and to meet people that you mightn't have met for the previous 12 months and in this case, the previous three years. Right, OK. I know we spoke quite a bit for the years that you are president of the IFA what are you doing now? I'm sure my listeners would love to know what Joe Healy is doing now. Well, back on the farm, number one, uh, milking cows, and uh, probably involved with Gorchie Night College a little bit, and we celebrated our 75th anniversary there of the college uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, doing a bit with Self Help Africa. And I suppose the main one is I'm chairman of Cultivate, which is the farm loan section of the credit unions. So that's what has me here today as well. We have a, a stand here, so... Well, let's talk about that now, mm. because uh, loans to farmers are very important. Mm. Well, there was, uh, it started, Cultivate started with uh, a Galway. group of Galway credit, yeah. union, or credit unions that came together, and they had a meeting with the stakeholders, particularly IFA, and I was president of it at the time. So we kicked off there in Galway, because there was uh, a study, an EU study done on the credit to Irish farmers, and they found that there was a gap in the market of between 800 million and a billion euro, uh, of that gap that was there in the market that the banks weren't servicing really and there was a number of reasons for that um, I think key amongst them was you know, farmers like something that's simple, that's quick that's flexible and that has the personal touch and the Cultivate Credit Union loans has all of those you know, and they're very flexible so um, it has gone from strength to strength and at the moment we have 47 credit unions in 150 offices around the country offering it to farmers uh, you know and the applications every year has grown um, enormously on the previous year Right, now there was a limit when you started off of 50 grand. Is that limit still there? Well, the, the limit is now up at 75,000, but okay. uh, there would be some of the smaller credit unions where it might be 25. It's up to the credit unions themselves to install the limit, but that can be anything up to 75,000. So there's a lot of work going on. Um, farmers from all sectors have taken out loans. We have a presence in... Um, outside of Dublin in 23 out of the other 25 counties uh, there's only two in the northwest now that we need to get into and that's Sligo and um, Leitrim but it's an alternative there for farmers to look at uh, and as I said it's very quick I was talking to I was on a panel for the youth wing of uh, credit unions uh, at the weekend and there was a farmer there from Cavan who had got it he had applied he had contacted the credit union about getting the farm loan on the Tuesday and he had the farm loan on Friday you know, so that's what farmers like. Yeah, and of course, the other thing about the credit union uh, that I, as I understand it, Joe, is that you're talking to a person. Mm. Now, if I go to my local bank and I'm looking for a loan, mm. I'm I'm doing it online. I'm talking to somebody I don't know. At least mm. in your local credit union. You're talking to real people. Well, that's one of the I strengths, I suppose, that, that it has. And it's local people. Yeah, and uh, and farmers you know, like that. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, that local person knows. And they understand the farming uh, type of it as well. Because within Cultivate, we offer training for the people in the credit unions that are going to be operating the Cultivate farm loans. So they understand the cyclical nature and the volatility of farming. Uh, you know, and that a farmer, when he sells the cattle, he might be able to pay off more of it. And then there might be a few lean months where he mightn't be able to pay it off but you know that's what farmers like that there's uh, the flexibility of being able to pay it 
off when you are, you know, when when the opportunity arrives for you to pay it off. Now that's the credit union. Mm. That's the cultivate side and the farming side of credit unions. Uh, looking at credit unions in general, then, uh, with the ordinary loans that they're giving out to uh, their client base, uh, that's going well as well, is it? That's going very well because you know it covers all yeah. areas. Even um, I had a fellow milking for me the other evening. He's yeah. he's going to ag college. He was after buying a car. He got the credit the loan from the credit union for the car. They offer them for education. So there's a whole plethora of areas that uh, the credit unions offer loans for. And I suppose there is an opportunity there. Like there's, you'll always have maybe the likes of the two main banks, but with the likes of the Ulster Bank, for example, pulling out, it's opening up a huge opportunity. So it's up to the credit unions to be part of the groups that fill that space. So the opportunities are there, and it's up to the credit unions to kind of get out to the people and say, well, look, we're an option. Uh, and just coming in and talk to us. And are there many people coming in to talk to you now? I, you know, I know there's a big drive on now with the Ulster Bank. They're mm. sending out letters to everybody. They're saying they're going very quickly. Now it's the time to be changing. Uh, are people walking into the local credit union? A, a huge amount, uh, Jim. Yeah. And I know you might say, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? But no, the no, fact. I'm the, asking yeah, you. The, the, fa- I know the, you anyway. the, the facts are there yeah, to back that up. It. And like I know of one credit union that there was huge money being transferred every week um, kind of like switcher loans or transfer yeah. loans whatever you want to call them uh, but there, like that was only a friend of my own that was telling me that about yeah. his own credit union but that's happening all over the country and I think the more that it happens the more people see that the credit unions are there as an option for them and you know long may that continue because they're local as we've said two or three times in this interview um, and it's just important to have that competition in the banking space as well. I won't ask you how the cows are but they're going extremely well at the moment. Uh, look it has been a, a, good, a good year, year. for commodity prices in general uh, and they have the, the increase in the commodity prices has helped to offset the increase in the input costs which you know and the volatility that's there and we no one has any idea where that's going to go in the near in the near to midterm future um you know if we take fertilizer if we take uh, grain if we take energy on the farm uh, they've all gone up uh, a lot as well and no no sign of them to come down you know you'd hope you'd hope that some sort of um uh, normality will return to the world in in, uh, yeah. in the next year. Well, going up in price is one thing, but availability is the other. Well, that's we were in our own discussion group. We looked at the idea of forward purchase and fertilizer, and the view in the group was that there's a lot more chance of a lack of availability of fertilizer next year than there is in a drop in price. So the view was to to buy it this year towards the back end if we can at all. You know. Yeah. Have you got any chance to relax and? since uh, Tim took over? Uh, sure, look, it's, you know, it was, it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for Tim yeah. and it's great to be back here at the Plown because since Tim has been elected, I don't think there has been a Plown. No. And it's the best opportunity in the whole year to get to meet the farmers where uh, the IFA are here on the corner and it's welcoming for everyone to come in and tell us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and what we can improve on and uh, you know I was just talking to Tim there a few minutes ago and um, he's delighted to, to be here at the Plown as well you know as, as we all are you know Okay, well, look at Joe. It was a pleasure talking to you once more. That listener was Joe Healy, the former president of uh, the IFA, but more importantly at the moment, an ambassador for Cultivate, the credit union loans to farmers. 
That was the former president of the IFA. Now I have the current president, president our own Tim Cullinan. Tim, great to be back here, isn't it? Absolutely, Jim. Uh, the yeah. buzz, you see the buzz here already. It's early in the morning here, the first morning of the ploughing, and absolutely delighted to be back. You know, it's something I've seen. I attended a number of shows up and down the country over the summer period there, and people are absolutely delighted to be out. And you know, just to say to the Ploughing Association, you know, this is a marvellous uh, occasion and you know, I'm absolutely delighted and hopefully it goes very well for the Ploughing Association over the next few days. Well we all hope that uh, okay, it's your first one as president, but none in the other two years. That's right, this is yeah. my first one as president of the association back in 19 we were here and we were on the campaign trail yeah, and right. uh, you know, again from that point of view you know, it's great that we're here now and we can meet our members and you know, have a chat about all the, the current issues and, and obviously concerns going into the future as well so you know like in agriculture there's always a challenge and I suppose none more than even at the moment you know the change this year even from a budget point of view like we're straight into the budget next week you know normally you come back after the summer recess there's a bit of time yeah. uh, particularly lobbying around that budget you know we had our lobbying day even last week so I suppose there's concerns there and uh, ensuring that uh, all the schemes are properly funded and in particular you know around the vulnerable sectors there's a BPS scheme there of 40 million that we want to ensure that the minister come forward with the funding you know, uh, the sheep welfare scheme needs to top up there and you know all of those schemes the tillage scheme and I suppose another area is the minister did come forward with incentives during the year uh, to deal with the massive agflation that farmers are dealing with and I suppose you know, the, 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 the fodder uh, scheme and the tillage incentive scheme, both of those worked well so you know, we're pressing the minister that we'll continue with those and enhance them for the coming year as well you know, and, and I suppose in more recent days what's very concerning now is that there, is, there was an announcement over the weekend by the government of a, a scheme to subsidise industry in the cost of energy yeah. and what's very frustrating for me is cur- currently farmers have been excluded from that and uh, you know, I can't understand the thinking behind that because you know, we are the primary producers, the people producing the goods and you know, farmers are experiencing massive uh, price rises in the cost of energy both in electricity and obviously fuel on their farms as well. What then do you see as the big issues, leaving energy aside, facing Irish agriculture in 2023, Tim? Yeah, I suppose, obviously, as we know, if we, if we go back and look at the, the whole debate we had last summer around the emissions, and we know now that we have a ceiling of 25%, that you know, we have to continue to strive to reduce emissions by 25%. And look, Jim, there's no point in saying, but this is a massive challenge. But I think farmers, we are up for, up for that challenge as farmers, and you know, we need to get on with that job now. But you know, to ensure we can be... I suppose, as we're hearing, farmers can be part of the solution. And we've heard Minister Ryan saying that farmers need to adopt further new measures, likes of solar panels and aerobic digestion. But the need to put uh, the measures in place to make this straightforward for farmers. And what I mean by that is, number one, uh, the planning issue around solar on rooftops. The farmer has to apply for planning. So that needs to be freed up. There needs to be proper funding around this as well. And in particular, farmers are going to adopt particularly anaerobic digestion, which is 
quite new to a lot of farmers well then there needs to be proper funding around that as well and I don't want a situation where that funding is coming from the existing TAM scheme that you know, his department, the Department of Environment needs to come forward with proper funding around that and you know, and we can move forward and there's a lot of initiative that farmers can get involved with and drive a new sector and new income for farmers which is very important going into the future I, I suppose you feel like I do that the you know, that when the figures are produced for 2022, they will be, uh, they will see that farmers are doing far more than they have been doing because of the, the way in which farmers have adapted to uh, the various rules that have come out, particularly over the last two years. That's right, like, uh, you know, Chagas c- came yeah. forward with the MAC curve yeah. and, you know, we know the measures in there, the protected urea, the low-emission slurry-spreading multi-species grasses, in particular clover. You know, farmers are adopting and, and this is going to achieve a reduction. But suppose, you know, if we look at this in the round, what we're looking at now is uh, to achieve a 25%, that means reducing in, in tonnes uh, farmers need to reduce approximately 5.7 tonnes of, of emissions over the next number of years. And uh, you know, I think looking at it, adopting the measures that are currently in place and farmers are adhering to, we can get 3.5 to 4 megatons of a reduction. And obviously it's like everything in life, the last, the last part of the mountain to climb is going to be the toughest, you know, the, the last 1.7 or whatever. And uh, But if we look at it then, the way the science is evolving, I think you know, that's going to be very, very important as well. So it's quite clear now from the trials that you know, pasture-based cows mm. grazing on, on, on grassland and higher EBI animals are producing anything from 20 to 30% less methane. You know, we've already seen in the EU that a feed additive has been approved that would help reduce uh, methane from the rumen of, of animals as well. But what's very important here is that all those trials are continuing and they will be peer-reviewed, that the EPA then will acknowledge them and what we call it, get them onto the scoreboard, that farmers will get an allowance for this. So that's very important because, look, this is a massive sector we have and a figure I was looking at recently is if you look at agriculture, and um, we have 13.5 billion of exports. The total local indigenous industry of exports out of this country is 26 billion. So we're half of that. So that's a very important sector to every parish up and down the country, Jim. So that's why you know, everybody has to strive to work here and we will be part of the solution around climate, but we have to protect the sector that's keeping people uh, working in rural Ireland from Donegal right down to West Cork and that's critically important going forward. Okay Tim, we'll leave it at that. I got you when you were nice and fresh. If I was to get you here on Thursday evening I'd say you'd be nearly lying down with all the people that you meet. Pleasure talking to you as all. That's all Jim, thanks very much. My next guest this morning is Padraig Costigan from Chagas and Padraig has a farm walk coming up on next Thursday the 29th and he's with me uh, this morning to talk about it. Good morning, Parik, and thanks for ta- b- joining me. Good morning, Jim. Yeah, yeah. thanks very much for the opportunity. Yeah. Okay, now, what is this walk all about? Yeah, so, Jim, it's a, it's a farm walk. It's in conjunction with Centenary and the Signpost programme. Um, I suppose it, it's, it's regarding climate change. Uh, Chagas Centenary, we're meeting next Thursday on the farm of... Um, John Sheridan, John and Debbie Sheridan, Bursley, Thursday the 29th of September, starting at 11 o'clock. 
So I suppose what, what it's about is, um, I suppose we're showing, showcasing what people need to be doing to reduce their carbon footprint in the future, uh, which I suppose starts now. So um, I might just go through the speakers and what we're going to be talking about. So we have Dr. Seamus Carney, who's the signpost specialist. Um, he's going to be talking, along with Shana Hallen, another signpost advisor, talking about um, ways of reducing down your carbon footprint and what we can do on it. Mm -hmm. um, we also have Kate McCarthy from UCD talking about uh, clover incorporation of clover into swarts. And uh, she'll be talking also on multi-species swarts and how to establish them and where to have a place to fit in on the systems. We have John Martin from Centenary Co-op. And John will be talking about the, the sustainability bonus that's coming in line for all the co-op suppliers, mill suppliers for, for next year. And uh, their options that they have to undertake to, to qualify for that half a cent a litre. And then we'll be doing a small bit on, on autumn grassland management as well, along with, um, I suppose, fodder options and, and doing fodder budgets for guys and see where they stand. So, yeah, that, that's that's the bones of it anyway. And I suppose the big point I'd want to make on it is that it is a dairy farm. John is a, a, a one-man show, kind of 100-plus mm -hmm. cows um, with family labour. Um, it is a dairy farm, but we want to, to get the, the point out there that it's open to beef and sheep because I suppose the principles of reducing your carbon footprint through low emissions, protected urea, um, breeding, grass and management, clover, multi-species swarts, they're common to all, all, all across the board, be it beef, sheep and dairy. Um, so I suppose everybody is welcome to it. The signpost program has been running on the Sheridan farm for two years now. Yeah, so I suppose it really got up and running. It was, um, it was chosen last year, and oh, this right. year is the first year it's getting up and up and running. So I suppose we're, we're, we're showcasing, I suppose, what people need to be doing to reduce the carbon footprint. You'll see on the farm, I suppose, what, what John has done. John is a good, solid operator. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's, he's a farmer like all the other people out there doing his own thing he has made small changes on the farm but from a carbon footprint point of view they'll make big figure big differences to the figures on the bottom line but it's not costing them anything extra to do these things um but they will reduce the carbon footprint and i suppose there's a lack of knowledge out there on on everybody um as regards mm -hmm. how do we how do what is reducing our carbon footprint what do we mean by that and and, and how we're going to achieve it so i suppose this is trying to, to educate everybody um, on, on, on what we're talking about and, and how we achieve those things. Padraig, uh, the programme is very aptly named, the Signpost programme, because the one thing I think that farmers need is somebody to signpost them where they're going with these emissions so that we will be able to meet that 25%. I think that's the thing that's lacking the most. So this event is very important. It is, it is, and I suppose everybody is in that zone now, mm -hmm. and and I suppose people are, are changing their advice, and people are changing their systems, and they're going to have to, because everything is changing around us, so we have to move with it, and it might be mean looking at what John Sheridan is doing, or a good go home and reduce down your stocking rate, or cow numbers to adjust, or, like, there could be a whole lot of things that you could be doing on your farm that'll tick the box for you already, um, but small changes can make big differences as well. Um, as was that the point we don't want to be afraid. And I suppose the big thing I think is that um, 
we probably as an industry we're we're, we're afraid we we've been told we're doing the wrong thing the whole time but an awful lot of what we're doing is the right thing and we're very good at it um it's just that i suppose we don't have the knowledge to, to debate it out and, mm-hmm. and, and to fight our corner i suppose and going to these events and we find out what do we mean by greenhouse gas emissions and what do we mean by carbon footprint and what are we doing like the guy in the side of the street that takes us on and say what are you doing you're destroying the car the countryside like we, we we're doing an awful lot we're doing a lot more than most people um but we probably don't know the good stuff we're doing so i suppose yeah it is the signpost to fill that gap of, of knowledge and uh and learn and it is a learning process and it will change um but we just got to move with it we need to have, uh, I suppose, the science around what we're doing so that we are able to convince uh, the people that you're talking about, the, the man in the street who says that we're doing all the damage. So I suppose the challenge for farmers uh, and the farming organisations in particular is to get the message out that the farmer is doing everything that they could do and shift the blame on to some other sector yeah i i think so mm. the, the the blame game is on as well and just disproportionately against the farmer um which it shouldn't be but i suppose we tend to put the head down and accept that we're mm-hmm. we're doing bad out here we're, we're, we're not doing bad we're doing a hell of a good job um but we have to change things tweak things there's nothing massive that that's what you see when you go to john sheridan's he, okay he's going to reduce down his carbon footprint but he's not changing this whole farm system upside down far from it and i suppose that's the good thing about the signpost program you're going to you're going to Joso farmers they're not research farms they're ordinary farms like your neighbor's farms mm-hmm. um that are making these changes and you'll see that it's not making whole pile of changes to the way he runs his farm just tweaking things i suppose but the system is essentially the same and and, and okay uh, i want to reiterate again we're going to a dairy farm but Definitely, there's something in it, be it clover, low emissions, protected ureas, all this type of thing. It's applicable to, to beef, dairy and sheep. Like So uh, I suppose we, we'll try to get everybody in on it and, and see what what, uh, what people have to say about it, the experts are talking. Will there be comparisons then for people to see uh, as they walk around the farm in, I suppose, the usual uh, Chagas way of, ma- of making presentations? Will they be able to see a comparison between when the programme wasn't on the farm and now that the programme has been on the farm for a year? Yeah, Jim, as regards comparison of before and after, yes, yes, there, there will be. We, we have figures on, on the carbon footprint of, of producing a litre of milk on that farm. We know what the national average is. We know what John's is, which is slightly above it. And, mm-hmm. and we know our, our target is going to be bringing it down to to 0.75, 0.8 in around that zone. So yes, we, we we do we we have national average figures. We do have John's figures done up before he joined the program, and uh, we'll see at the end of this year then whether we're going up or down. And uh, we will we 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 be definitely uh, fairly sure that he's going down anyway. But yeah, we we will have solid figures behind us. Yeah. So really, what you're saying to me, the indicators are at the moment that he is going down, which is what this is all about, and that's very important. So. Before I let you go, Padraig, will you just give me, okay, the details of how people will get there, the day in which it is on, and the time at which it is on? Yeah, so it's on on the farm of John and Debbie Sheridan, family farm, outside Bursley. Um, I can give you the the air code E41D6D5, E41D6D5. It'll be signposted anyway from Bursley. Um, It's on from 11 o'clock 
to one o'clock, and that's next Thursday, the 29th of September. So 11 to one out in Kilshane, outside Bursley. Okay, well, look at Padraig. Thanks very much for joining us this morning. That listener was Padraig Costigan talking about that very important farm walk on a signpost farm just outside Bursley, the Sheridan Farm. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Pat O'Toole. Now, I caught up with Pat when he was leaving the National Ploughing Championship, sitting in his car, uh, trying to get out of the car park. And we want to have a little discussion about the agricultural report for 2022. I know a couple of weeks ago we covered the IFAC one, and I'm quite sure there will be something different in the uh, journal one. Pat, thanks very much for joining us after what has been, I suppose, three very, very busy days for you. It's been busy, but it's been great. There's a huge buzz around the place, especially Tuesday and Wednesday with the fine weather. Uh, today, a shocking morning, and it was dirty for a while, but it, it's cleared up beautifully, and uh, the fields have soaked out. I don't see anyone needing a push or a shove. Everyone's getting out comfortably out of the car park. It's thinning out, and I think we could say that <laughs> Ploughing 2022 was success, a return a return to farm for after three years away, um, back as big and as bold as ever. Right, you were there this morning. Was it very mucky? Uh, no, the roadways <coughs> were extensive and wide, yeah. um, which m- meant that the crowds could move around freely without getting to... Uh, uh, I saw a lot of, of shoes and runners towards the end of the day, and they were all still reasonably clean, so... Um, yeah, you'd have a, a big a job getting to uh, in the door in a lot of farmyards on a wet day. So okay. I don't think we can complain at all. Was that thanks to the fact that it has been so dry in the lead up to it? Yes, uh, that def- that definitely helped. And look at I fully agree with you. I was there on Tuesday and Wednesday, and absolutely it was fantastic to be there and to see the sm- smiles on the faces of people and people very happy after what has been relatively good and dry summer. So. Uh, it's good. Anyway, getting back to the journal report, Pat, can you give me the highlights? Um, highlights and lowlights, I suppose. Um, right, okay, the highlights. We found that a third, a th- a third of farmers mm-hmm. have cut stock numbers. So we, we um, in conjunction with IFAC, uh, we surveyed a cross-section, a representative cross-section of our database, and we have a very large database of farmers. Uh, so we make sure that the, this is representative by sector, by region, by demographics in terms of farm size, age. So this is a really good indicator of what farmers are thinking. And about uh, 1,800 farmers, I think, responded this time. So one third of farmers have cut stock numbers. Unsurprisingly, dairy less so than beef and sheep. Uh, But one in three dairy, uh, or 36% of beef farmers have cut livestock numbers this year, 37% of sheep farmers, 24% of dairy farmers. And uh, of them, uh, uh, 4% of, sorry, 41% of the farmers who have reduced uh, their their numbers said they did so by over 10% or up to 10% of their animals. So that, just to put that in context, that would be over 10% of farmers who Mm -hmm. cut their animals by up to 10%. And another 36%, which is heading for another 10%, had cut between 11 and 20%. And then the remainder, uh, by more than 20%, uh, cuts. So very significant cuts. The uh, sheep flock numbers, uh, in terms of levels of reduction, broadly similar. 
Uh, dairy farmers then, <clears throat> about 60% of dairy farmers who culled, culled by less than 10%. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that tallies because milk price being what it was, most farmers kept their numbers up through the summer um, because mm-hmm. it justified feeding at, even where, where there was drought, it justified feeding animals with, with milk price sailing out past 50 cents a litre base. In terms of fertiliser usage, three in four farmers cut fertiliser usage this year. And um, that, that's pretty significant, I think. And it shows that price has been a factor. Um, and, of course, we've seen prices treble uh, in little over a year. It would be a factor. But um, we've seen resistance to those prices and the level of usage has dropped off. About a quarter of farmers in each sector have, uh, both in each dry stock sector, that is, beef and sheep farmers cut their fertiliser use by 40% or more. So we are seeing a real focus on cost and efficiency. And of course, there is the whole uh, farm to fork and the strategy to reduce fertiliser usage. So we may be seeing farmer actions, a combination of reaction to price availability and also uh, some learning as regards the journey that has to be taken for sustainability. In terms of the politics of farming, Fine Gael would be reasonably happy, I think. They have been sliding in recent polls. We, we, we took uh, the temperature of farmers' political affiliations back in June. Mm-hmm. And Fine Gael had slipped from a high of 46% uh, back a few years ago to uh, 37%. But they've held that 37%. And Fianna Fáil have also held their base at 23% from the June poll. So that's 60% of farmers supporting one of the two main government parties. Sinn Féin, on the other hand, will be disappointed. They had a huge presence at the planning this year, but they've slipped a couple of points to 13%, having made fairly consistent gains in, in recent years. Um, and then if uh, we look at the independents, who you know are a very uh, significant factor in rural Irish farming, yeah. are, uh, among the rural Irish farming vote, the 19% of farmers indicated that they'd be supporting an independent board to be in election in the morning. Charlie McConnell will also be quite happy. His approval rating has gone up from a relatively low base. He had a tough year uh, mm-hmm. in 2021 in many ways and through into 2022 with the new nitrates regulations, with the huge spot of, of reforms of the common agricultural policy and with the whole debate around sectoral targets and the, the broad landing zone announced last year and then the narrow sectoral target of 25% for agriculture announced uh, recently. But all those big set pieces out of the way, he, he was at a low of 21% approval uh, in back in uh, June. But having said that, that's not as bad as it sounds because a lot of farmers said that they neither approved or disapproved of them, they were neutral on them. Uh, there was t- uh, uh, over 30% of farmers were, were negative towards them. This time he's on 30% approval, 31% disapproval with uh, the remainder of 40%, again, neutral. Uh, and, and that's an interesting dynamic. And the, it, when we look at the farm organisations, and uh, farmers have quite a similar range of views in that a huge proportion of respondents uh, didn't classify the farmer organisation performances either good or bad. They were neutral. 26% said that they performed well. 4% said that they performed very well. So that's a cumulative 30%. 38% said they were poor or very poor, with 32% indifferent to their... And that indifference is 
that would be a challenge, I think, for the farm organisations and the political parties because it's often been said by politicians that when people are giving out to you, at least they're engaging, at least they still find you relevant and you can build on that. Whereas when people are indifferent to you, when they're ignoring you, when they're not engaging with you, that's a real problem. That's a sign that you're losing relevance. So I think that is an alarm bell for how rural Ireland is interacting with politicians and their own farmer representatives. And it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Right. Can I bring you back to something? Can I bring you back to uh, the figures you had with the cutback on the use of fertiliser? On Wednesday, I was talking to somebody in the Department of Agriculture. You you mentioned uh, up to a 40% cut. And they they said to me, or that person said to me, that the the cut would be very minimal. Now, their information seems to be different to what farmers have been telling uh, the, the journal. Yeah, um, of course, the database will show what mm-hmm. fertiliser has been purchased. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of what's happened is that farmers, with the cost of it, they, they and, and I know there's fertiliser at home in the yard, and we're tillage farmers, mm-hmm. you'd say there wouldn't be much, but there's, there's fertiliser at home in the yard that was bought for this year and it'll be used next year. Farmers were very careful. If, if there was a tendency in the past to go out with the extra bag for luck for mm-hmm. uh, a crop, which would be counterproductive, I think the fact that fertiliser was in the yard didn't tempt farmers into using it unless they felt it was absolutely needed and justified because of the cost of it. So we may be seeing more efficient use of fertiliser, and it could be that there's quite a bit of fertiliser on hand. And of course, we're going to know very soon because the fertiliser registers mm-hmm. are kicking in next year, and stock on hand will have to be declared, uh, uh, reported by farmers, absolutely declared, and mm-hmm. and we'll get a we'll get an opening snapshot of the amount of fertiliser on Irish farms uh, then. Yeah. Of course, anything that's on farms right now. We're rapidly uh, um, at the point where where it's going to be there in the spring, you know. Yeah, um, it can't uh, we're, move. We're out of time. Yeah, yeah, we're out of time for for the spreading of fertilizer, and uh, as a result, uh, I have a feeling there's quite a bit of fertilizer on hand around farms, which would mean that farmers are accurate in what they're saying to us, and the department are accurate in terms of how much fertilizer has been taken out of merchants' yards and, and co-op yards and has gone onto farms this year. Okay, because my own information that I would have is that, you know, most farmers have cut back significantly on the amount of fertiliser that they have used. Look at Pat, I know you're on the way trying to get home. I let you off. I want to thank you ever so much for joining me. And by the way, listeners, if you want to know more about the Irish Farmers Journal report for 2022, why not buy this week's journal? It's all in it. That, listeners, is Agri-Report for this week. But over the next coming weeks, maybe four to five weeks, I recorded quite a bit at the National Ploughing Championships and I will be playing some of those interviews uh, for you to uh, listen to. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock and after that, Emma Dwyer presents Down Your Way. <laughs> 